I love that you guys have been owning uh, the reading of God's word in a separate time uh, before the sermon. It's been a gift to me, as, as I hope it's been a gift to you. But this morning, we continue in Mark's gospel of Jesus Christ, where John Mark is writing very beautifully and very focused, within focused intentionality to you and to me, that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. And Mark's writing to the Roman Christians of the first century church, and, and by extension to you and I this morning, to prove to us to prove to them that he's not just the, 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 the son of God, but that he's the king of kings. A king unlike any other king or ruler or leader or president or mayor or governor that you or I are familiar with. Jesus is different from them. And Jesus is the ultimate king who, who, is coming, who came down to earth to usher in a new kingdom and, and, and to call a people who are in desperate need of that kingdom's reality for us to, to be citizens of it and to live in such a way that mirrors that king with heart-filled devotion to the king and his ways. As Tim Keller says, we are to be passionate we are to be passionate in making Jesus the absolute goal and priority to orbit ourselves around him. And the gospel we are hearing from Mark is, is not one of good advice. We are being called to, to follow a king and, and to see his worthiness on display for us to marvel at or to be convinced by. Specifically, though, in our text this morning, we are picking up and uh, a kind of a final part of, of Mark's season one finale. Now, Jesus has entered Galilee. He's made his home in Capernaum, and he's begun to flex his authority with his words and with his actions. And we see the heart of Jesus exemplif in his exemplified authority over the earthly and the spiritual. We see tender, caring, compassionate love of our king who cares about the big events in our lives and the seemingly small, insignificant ones. But after some time of retreat away, refreshed by communion with the Father, we see Jesus ready to continue the mission he's come to do, to preach the good news of repent and believe. But before, before closing this part of the story, Mark gives us one last nugget. As every season finale does in a show that you've ever seen, when there's still more to convey, when there's still more that's going to follow, he gives you a nugget of what's to come and something you're already familiar with. That's another miracle. The placement of this story among the others is interesting. Jesus wants to preach and yet performs Another miracle. It's like, it's like Mark's trying to get us to see something in the words of the leper as he begs for Jesus to make him clean. So our time this morning will be under the title, Make Me Clean. And we will see Jesus preach to us his mission by word and action. Two points for us to consider this morning. Jesus is willing and able to cleanse, identified by his word. And we'll witness what happens when the clean touches the unclean, identified by his actions. So would you pray for me as I pray for you as we hear from God this morning. God, we thank you. 
We thank you that we get to come to a place where none of our preferences are met, where we, don't, where we come to a place where none of our, 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 our ideas and presuppositions of what church is supposed to be like are, 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 are gone when we walk in the door because immediately what's at the forefront is King Jesus and him crucified. God, would you speak to us through the text this morning? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us softened hearts? Would you gift me with clarity of speech and thought as a communicator? And would you gift the congregation with grace for my errors and ears for attentiveness? Lord, speak to us this morning through your word in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. In 1868 in Bergen, Norway, Gerard Henrik Armoire Henson, that man's got a long name, returned to his hometown after the country of Norway as a whole was fighting a vicious battle with leprosy. It was the hardest hit country in Europe at the time. 25 of every thousand people were infected with the disease. Bergen, with Henson and other notable researchers at the time, uh, coming into Bergen, it became the epicenter of leprosy research. And after many years of research and, and quite literally scandal, Henson finally concluded in 1873 that leprosy was caused by a bacteria. This discovery eventually gave way to leprosy being completely curable today. The reality of Henson's disease, which is, no, which is its name today, the reality of Henson's disease today is not the reality of leprosy in Jesus' day. There was no disease more feared at the time. And maybe you're familiar with it, but if you aren't, essentially what would happen is these nodes, these nodules, would, would form on visible parts of the body to people outside. But they would be all over your body, really. But they would be on your hands and feet and your face. And they would grow and grow and grow. And then they would burst and, like, pus would come out. And it would cause, like, this disfigurement to happen. And what would happen over time was very painful in the beginning. But what would happen over time is you would become desensitized to the pain. You know, it, it attacks your nervous system. And so what happens is your hands and feet, they would wither due to the disfiguration. And, and although you, like, like I said, like although you have this physical pain in the beginning, you would become numb to it by the end. And so limbs would literally fall off. Your fingers, your toes, they would fall off. And, and so lepers were called the walking dead for this reason. It's, it's crazy because eventually you can't feel pain in the infected areas. It's there, but it's like not to your body. But that wasn't the worst part, I would argue. The worst part was that you were cut off from life. You couldn't live in town. You couldn't work. You couldn't go to the temple. You had to live outside the city in these leper camps just waiting for your impending doom. You were considered unclean and you weren't allowed within 50 feet of a clean person. When you went anywhere, you had to announce yourself unclean, unclean, unclean. But in some cases, the, lep the smell of the leper's decaying flesh would be uh, uh, identified before the mandatory pronouncement could be made. This is humiliating, embarrassing. Now, even though you weren't allowed to go to the temple, there are records that say that you were allowed to be in some synagogues if your synagogue leader was lenient. But what would, even then, what would happen is you would have to get there earlier than everyone else 
And you would walk in and you would stand behind a black curtain. And you had to stand there the entire time. And you had to wait for everyone to leave. And then you would be able to leave. Even in the church, you were cut off from life. But why does Mark have this emphasis, family? Why does he record this? Well, last week when we studied Jesus healing Peter's Peter's mother-in-law, I said that Jesus heals to communicate a message. So what's the communication here? Well, it's common practice to use leprosy as symbolism of sin. The leper in our account here, as R.C. Trench puts it, is a representation of an outward visible sign of the inmost spiritual corruption. This is almost always the case throughout Scripture. From the Old Testament to the New, leprosy was always seen as judgment of God for sin. The physical disease in Scripture was a spiritual reality. In 2 Kings 5, if you're quick, you could turn there, but I'm just going to paraphrase and I'll read two verses. But in 2 Kings 5, a man called Naaman is a commander of the Syrian army, and he's also a leper. And as he's doing his thing in in Israel, a little girl tells him that there's a prophet named Elisha who's a prophet of God, and he could heal the man. And so Naaman sends for Elijah. Long story short, Elijah doesn't get to go. He sends a servant in his place with instructions for Naaman to follow in order that he may not be healed but cleansed. This distinction is different, okay? To be cleansed. And so the instructions were for Naaman to enter into the Jordan River and submerge himself seven times. And then after that, he would be cleansed. You fast forward some, and homeboy is for sure cleansed. Physically and spiritually, he's changed. And so Naaman wants to offer the servant all of these things, especially money. Wants to man, just thank you for doing this. Here is payment. And the servant of Elisha goes, no, 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 no. But then as he's leaving, he's like, that was a lot of money. And turns back around and is like, all right, yeah, 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 let me get it. And, and so what happens is, is that you fast forward some more. Naaman is in front of Elisha. And this is what Elijah says to him in verse 26, because Elisha knows everything. He says, did my heart Did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time to accept money and garments and olive orchards and vineyards and sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Elisha's asking his servant, why'd you take all of that? Why did you take that? Why did you present yourself as a servant of God and cheapen God's sovereign act of grace by taking payment? We were there to serve him and by extension serve the Lord. You weren't there to serve yourself. And so the pronouncement gets made over the servant in verse 27. Elisha tells him, therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence like a leper. When you have this context, you understand that it wasn't just ignorance that was causing fear of leprosy. There was Some there for sure. But what you need to know is that by and large, this is a long historically connected view of judgment of God for sin. 
So fast forward to our text in Mark. It's not only that this man, this leper in our story, is the embodiment of his spiritual condition. It's that he represents all of us here this morning. All of us need the cleansing, not just the healing, but the cleansing work of Jesus. The distinction is important. And I need you to be with me. We need to be together to see this in the goal of the text. We've already said that Jesus cares very passionate and very deeply about the effects of sin. He cares very deeply about the physical plights of his people. He cares very deeply about the poverty, about the sickness, about the injustice. But more than that, he cares for his people's spiritual liberation. So much so that almost every time Jesus or anybody heals in the Bible, it's deeper than the physical need. There's a supernatural spiritual work happening also. Allow me to make my case for you to see yourself in this man this morning. Leprosy begins with physical pain. And so does our sin. Our sin should cause spiritual pain in us. Have you never felt the burden of your sinfulness press upon your soul? Have you ever felt drowned by the weight of your sin? And maybe that's because of the consequences of it. Maybe that's because there's some guilt mixed in there. But more than any of that, The pain is in the conviction of it. Does your sin cause you pain, family? And in love, I say, I hope so. I hope so. It's a a good thing when you stick your hand in the oven and you feel that it's hot, right? It's a good thing when you stick your hand over the burning stove and you feel the heat, the danger oppress upon your skin. That's God's kindness to you. Awareness of the painful consequences of sin should, should, should cause in you, hopefully, confession. But, but maybe you're here and you're saying, you know, Pastor, I, I don't feel that way about my sin anymore. I did once upon a time. And you know, I'm aware of it, but I'm living with it. Family, in all the love I bear for you, I tell you that after long, the leper does no longer feel his pain. The leper no longer feels the falling limbs, the disfiguration, but he's aware of it. Desensitization and jadedness of your sin, that's not transformation. That's not maturation. That's not spiritual health. And if that's you, there's two things, two things I want you to do. It's going to get awkward. There's two things I want you to do. I'm going to pray for you, and I want you to pray this prayer yourself. So if you would close your eyes, everybody close your eyes. Let's make this a safe place. But if this is you, if you're saying, I, I don't feel the weight of my sin anymore, then I would ask you to say this, Father, please, I beg you, let me not just be aware of my shortcomings and my sin. But let me once again feel the weight, the pain, the agony of them. Like a disciplined child, let me feel the effect of my sin in your discipline and love and run more closer to you. Holy Holy Ghost, would you help me confess, help me repent 
for Jesus' glory and my good. Amen. Here's the second thing. If you don't have my, my number or my wife's number, get it. And we'll walk with you through this. And we'll pray with you. I, I got to stress the importance of this. But let me come back to this. We all need the cleansing work of Jesus. We all need the work that only he can do. And it doesn't matter how many years under your belt you have in the faith. You need to be cleansed this morning, don't you? Well, First John 1 says, if you say you have no sin in yourself, then you're a liar. If you're a liar, that means you need the cleansing work of Jesus. But I have good news for you this morning. I have good news for you this morning. The good news that Jesus is willing and able to cleanse us. Mark uh, uh, verse 40, chapter 1 verse 40 says, And a leper came to him imploring and kneeling to, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. See, this leper had no illusion about who he was or the plight that he was experiencing. He knew what that meant. He had all of society to remind him of what was going on with him. And he even had the pronouncement that he had to make over himself to remind him of what he was. At the same time, he had no illusion about who Jesus was. At this time, Jesus had already began to get pretty popular in his ministry. So this man who had a physical plight connected to a spiritual reality knows who comes before him. He knows that a rabbi is coming, someone who is the cleanest of cleans. He, the leper, has to become audacious. Because here's what he knows. This is what the leper knows inside his mind. This is why he needs that boldness. To even greet a leper by Mosaic law makes you unclean. To even greet him. If a leper were to stick his head through the window of your home, it's not just your house that's considered unclean. Your entire family is considered unclean. There's so much at stake here. And the leper knows that this man not only has the power to heal him, but to cleanse him. To take his sinfulness. He had a confidence in Christ's ability. He wasn't sure of his willingness. So he comes to Jesus with all humility and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Confidence in the power of Jesus, but not in the heart of Jesus. This reminds me of when I was early in the faith. I, I knew that Jesus died for sin. I knew that Jesus died for sin, past, present, and future. I knew that the power of the blood was over everything. But for some reason, the hardest thing for me to get over was that it could apply to me. Because I knew what I did. I know what I've done in secret. I knew the weight of everything that I have done. It was strange that I knew the power of God, but not the heart of God to save me. Family, take this with you this morning. Think back to Jesus' mother-in-law. Think back to last week. What did we learn? We saw the heart of Jesus that he cares. 
He cares. And the, the leper knew Jesus had the ability, but he didn't know if Jesus would, uh, would care. But family, you have a God who has communicated his heart towards you. You have a God who cares. A God who is not only able, and praise God enough for that, but he is not only able to take your sin, but he's willing He's willing. I wish some of you in here knew what that meant this morning. That he is willing. The leper is a representation of God's judgment on sin. You and I are the leper. Our only hope, our only confidence, our only way out is a God who is not just able, but willing. Romans 5, 7 through 8 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would even dare But God shows his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, church, our king is not a king who is unable to do the work to save his people, nor is he a king who is dispassionately looking down with all his might and abilities and says, no, thank you. Your king is able. Your king is willing and he will. Verse 41, it says, moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. Oh man, y'all sleep. You have a God who says and always says, I will be clean. Can't you feel that? Can't you feel that? That your God says to you and your sin, I am willing, I am able, yes, be clean. Oh, these are words that preside over you this morning. And we know that Jesus was filled with deep emotion. Mark says, with compassion for this man's suffering, for our sufferings, he touches us and says, I will. I love that Jesus is handsy. I love that Jesus is handsy. He's got to be Spanish. Jesus loves to touch people. Peter's mother-in-law, the leper, the little girl in chapter 5, the sick in chapter 6, the deaf man in chapter 7, the blind man in chapter 8, the children in chapter 9. Look, if there was any, there, there is no need for Jesus to touch anyone. He can heal by word. He can heal by thought. He can heal just existing. But he did touch because it made him glad to. In his humanity, He loved to touch those who needed him. To touch this leper was just as audacious as it was the leper calling to him. The leper wanted to call Jesus. The leper wanted to call on Jesus' help. And Jesus wanted to show his willingness and sympathy in touch. This man hasn't touched anyone in a very long time. To touch a leper was the most terrifying thing anyone could ever do. And Jesus does it without hesitation. He does it with gladness. That's the difference between religion and the gospel. Religion in this passage says, don't do this, don't do that. You can't greet a leper. You can't talk to a leper. You most certainly cannot touch a leper. All of that makes you unclean. But is Jesus unclean, church? But is Jesus unclean, church? No. This is the first time 
something unclean touches something clean and the unclean is now clean. It's not a contradiction. It's a fulfillment. Jesus isn't breaking the religious cycle. He's completing it. You are clean. Your uncleanliness has touched my cleanliness and now you're clean. But that is not all. That is not all. Verse 42, and immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Do you see it, church? Do you see it? Jesus finds the dirty, the broken, the sinful, the people nobody wants, and he calls them to himself. He makes the dirty clean, the broken whole, the sinful saints, the rejected heir. That is your king. He And Mark is writing, brothers and sisters, to you, the King Jesus is for you, that the Savior is for you, that the healings were for you, that the teachings were for you, that the wilderness was for you, that the I am willing be clean is for you. He didn't just remove the leprosy. He cleansed him. He bore the sinfulness of that man. Now, he didn't become sin in this moment. That's not what I'm saying. But he was reminded of the cost to heal this man. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Leprosy. The judgment of God for sin slowly deteriorates the body to death. But Jesus is saying, I'm going to take that death. This is your sin, not mine. Jesus has no sin. But by his touch, by his presence, he takes the pronouncement of death that was meant for us away. That's the willingness of Jesus. I'm going to take that death. I'm going to take that sin so you can have access to the Father. First Peter chapter two, verse 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness by his wounds. You have been healed. Family, Jesus died for the lepers for us so that we may be lepers no more, that we may have him and in his fullness, that we uh, can feel pain for our sin, confess it and turn away in repentance, that we may rest in him, that we can have confident assurance of his promises over us, rest in his works family if you are someone who doesn't believe that king jesus came for you if you're saying well i don't know where i am in my relationship with god maybe i've been neglecting it i want to challenge you this morning maybe you feel like you tried christianity and it's not working out because you're still sinning can i tell you that you've never been more saved because of that feeling Come back home. Come back home. But let's say you're here and you say, Pastor, I hear you. I've never felt the weight of my sin until now. Friend, I tell you this morning, see him clearly. This Jesus, this compassionate, lovely Jesus is for you this morning. And he's already began a work in you. To feel the weight, the dirtiness, the darkness of your sin. And now what he's calling you to do, not just today, but every day, is repent. Confess your sin. Confess your need for grace. Repent. Turn away. Run from it. 
Run to the arms of the healing Savior who takes your sin and puts to death, puts it to death with his death. So that you may be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to share his words and do his deeds. So you can see every day the beauty and the glory of Christ. Last bit before we close. Verse 43. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourselves to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and he began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. This family helps us see a few things that I think will help us through coming weeks as we continue to go through Mark. Number one, we see Jesus as the law fulfiller and not the law abolisher. If Jesus wanted to abolish the law of Moses, he would have told that man, go on and be about your way. He would have told them, forget about, uh, 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 forget about practicing the Mosaic law in Leviticus 16 and 17. No, no, that's not what he told him. Jesus tells the man, you're cleansed, but still present yourself to the priests that you may follow the law. The second thing is he told him to be silent. Why? Let's remember what happened in our text last week. All of Capernaum came to him. The Bible says all. All mean all. All of Capernaum came to him when they found out about the casting out of the demon. But at the temple... When he casted out that demon, he didn't just cast out the demon. What did he do? He taught. He taught. But here's the thing. Nobody knocked on Peter's door that Sabbath evening to listen to the message of repent and believe. No, they knocked on the door because they had healings that needed to be done. They showed up to see him heal. But the next morning, Jesus says, I didn't come to do the healings. I came to preach. The third thing we see, are the products of number one and number two. It's Capernaum all over again, but like a hundred times more. It's not a town that's coming to him. It's an entire region. Not to hear the message of repent and believe, but to use Jesus as a means to their end. They wanted a Messiah to deliver them from the hand of Rome, not to deliver them for their sins. They wanted a Messiah to heal their sickness, but not to hear him say repent. They wanted a Messiah who feeds their stomachs, but not their souls. The reality of sin, the effect of sin, is the inability to see Jesus past your own intentions. This is why we see such drop-offs in the faith. Because you can only walk the walk. You can only talk the talk for so long. You can only pretend for so long. Until you see Jesus, as the song says, as an anchor to the ground. Until you see him as your hope and firm foundation, that's when you've been cleansed. When the reality of you being able to drift away is so easy to you. When the reality of you only seeing Jesus as for what you can get is made clear, then you can sing those song lyrics with seriousness. Church, may the healing of the leper preach to you this morning.
Jesus cares about your physical plights, but he cares more for the state of your soul. Cares more for your citizenship in the kingdom. Because when you are a citizen, you are worshiping something real. Something true. Something sure. A king. A true king of a real kingdom to which you belong. A king who loves you so much that he came to serve you by offering himself in place of your sins. Family, let the leper preach to you this morning. If you haven't placed your faith in this king, then you are indeed the walking dead. The leper, you likely this morning don't feel the pain of your sin anymore, but you know about it intellectually. I tell you, friend, knowledge is not enough. You need to feel that pain My prayer is that you this morning are beginning to feel, to see that pain, to see its destructiveness, to feel its weight like a weighted vest so that you can cry out to God and say, make me feel it, God. Make me feel it. And then once you feel, let the leper preach to you again. Shout to Jesus so that you can say, make me clean. If you are willing, make me clean. If you, because you're worthy, make me clean. 